Join Black A Second Home as we celebrate Jackie Washington Day with a special screening of cult classic Jackie's Back, starring Jennifer Lewis. Get ready to laugh, bring your friends, bring your snacks, and join us in the interactive chat. Plus, you never know who may drop in. So RSVP for this one-night-only screening July 15th at bgsah.com. Welcome to The Healing Space, a black and queer mental health podcast geared toward proving there's more than one way to heal. I'm your host, Sensei Raven Ekunayo. What's good, misfits? Welcome to another Amadamifus episode of THS. The song that you just listened to is by Yasumu, and it's entitled Midnight Thoughts. I hope you all enjoyed it. Now, the voice you heard to start the show was Michael Ward friend to THS and honorary misfit. The Healing Space can now announce that we are officially proud partners with Black Gay Stuck at Home. Now, if you're interested in knowing what BGSAH is, then you're in luck because this week I talk with both Mike and Joshua Jenkins, the creators of BGSAH. Now, this coming Wednesday, July 15th, they'll be celebrating Jackie's Back, 
on Jackie Washington Day. Now, if you're not familiar with the film Jackie's Back starring Jennifer Lewis, then you need to make sure you join us on Wednesday. It is indeed a classic. As someone who has been in the Zoom room for every black gay stuck at home that they've shown so far, it's a wonderful evening filled with laughs and a celebrating of community. That much I can definitely tell you. So yeah, make sure you check out the conversation later. But right now, let's get to the check-in. So the first thing I wanted to touch on is that a brother is busy. And the reason why I'm touching on that first is because it plays a part in pretty much everything else that I'm going to talk about. Um, <laughs> of, I, I appreciate where I am right now. I know that words matter and I never want to speak out of my mouth that I feel like I'm too busy. You know, uh, I appreciate everything that's going on. It's just all about putting things in order by making sure that, you know, I'm taking time out for myself. Uh, I don't want things to stop. I appreciate where I am right now, especially when I look back on my journey here in Atlanta. I appreciate that I'm staying busy, uh, that I'm able to do a lot of things that I love. So I give thanks for that. So that's the first thing. Very busy, but grateful. Um, one of those things that I'm busy with is working with Yoga Alliance. And I believe that I've mentioned that to you, Misfits, um, a few times here on THS. As I've stated before, I can't really go into detail as far as what it is that I'm doing with them. But I will say that I'm honored, uh, especially knowing what the what Yoga Alliance means uh, overall when it comes to the yoga community. And just, you know, wanting to do my part to make Yoga Alliance better. And I'll leave it there, doing my part to make Yoga Alliance better. Uh, Lord knows I want to say more, but <laughs> I'll leave it there. And uh, I give thanks. I absolutely give thanks. Sticking with the idea of yoga. And by the way, I don't know if you uh, misfits realize, but we are only a few episodes away from the 100th episode of THS. And I have only had one episode on yoga. In the history of THS, out of the almost 100 episodes, only one has been focused on yoga, and that was with Clyde Hampton Jr. We need to change that. We absolutely need to change that. I don't know if that's going to change on the other side of the 100th episode or not, but that definitely needs to change. So, uh, as I said, we're going to continue on with yoga, and that goes into my teaching, and I'm really happy with where I am when it comes to teaching right now. Uh, I, as soon as it was coming out of my mouth, the, the part of me that's like, but it can get better began to knock at the door. And I'm like, no, but I'm happy. And I want to say that I'm happy. Uh, I'm enjoying doing my solo classes. Uh, that has been fun. Uh, I'm, I'm very, very happy with my most tenured student because she and I continue to find ways to be able to um, make the other one step up a little bit, which says a lot because she has been doing yoga with me for four years and I can still go on record as saying that we have never had the same class twice. Four years, we meet once a week and we have never had the same class twice in four years meeting every week. So, yeah, well, not every, you know, in the four years, we've definitely had some weeks that we didn't meet, but we always follow it up with two classes the following week. So <laughs> we have never had the same class twice. 
Also, I'm happy to be back on the mountain teaching. I've only taught at Piedmont one time this summer, but I've been back to the mountains several times. And I've enjoyed all of the new students who have been going up with me, as well as my tenure students from last year who are continuing to climb with me. Uh, the heat and the humidity has been something else this summer. I don't know what it is, but the first summer that I arrived here in 2017, while it was hot climbing the mountain for whatever reason, it was a lot easier than it is now. I don't, it is a struggle climbing the mountain now. <laughs> but we get up there, my asthmatic ass gets up there, and I flow with my, uh, with my students. Um, if you want to be able to check them out, you can go to We Are TLM on, uh, on Facebook and on Instagram, W-E-A-R-E-T-L-M. And it's the the TLM team on Twitter, the TLM team. Uh, even though I don't post as much on Twitter, I need to make sure that I'm connecting um, the Instagram page to the Twitter page again so that people can be able to see my students on there as well. And also, I have gone back to teaching uh, online Zoom classes. I had stopped initially because for whatever reason, the first class that I was going to teach as far as group classes on Zoom, a bunch of people decided that they were going to join and then only two of them showed up for the first class. So I was like, yeah, no, not going to do that again <laughs> because people think that it's about the money. You know, people are under the impression that, well, as long as he gets the money, it's fine. I don't have to show up. I, I appreciate the money. You know, and if I could do yoga and, you know, therapy and then that be it, you know, I could be somebody's therapist and teach yoga. That would be my life. That's all that I would love that. And I would be absolutely happy. Uh, however, I I'm it's not enough that I get paid. I want people to actually show up as well. So I'm happy that, you know, I had more people show up for class this past Thursday. I enjoyed that a great deal and I want to keep that going you know I want people to to have a passion for yoga now it doesn't have to be the same passion as mine but I want it to be a passion for their own personal practice you know so I have a lot of people who say they want to do it and then they drop out and I don't know if it's because of self-doubt or what but if you're concerned about doing group classes by all means just do one-on-one, -on -one, but show up for yourself. Don't continue to make excuses for why you're not going to go all in on your practice. Uh, I've had students who have done that with yoga, with life coaching, and they've continued to schedule and they back out over and over again. And that's not harming me. I'm just disappointed because I want to show up for you. It's doing more harm to you, you know, because you don't know what's on the other side of the excuses that you're making. And you won't know unless you allow yourself to step over that line and take that chance. So I just wanted to share that. Um, next up, I am looking forward to my second session with my therapist. I told you guys maybe an episode or two ago that uh, I've started therapy again. Um, after whew, well over a decade, um, I've started with therapy again and I enjoyed my first session going into my second one this coming week. And I personally would like to ask her if we can start meeting every week. I feel like I need that right now. Um, I feel like I really, really do, which goes into the next thing, which is I've been battling with a lot of anxiety and self-doubt a lot. Uh, I've been, you know, having conversations with several people and sharing, you know, very, you know me, I'm all about transparency and being very honest about the fact that once I turned 40, a lot of, a lot changed, you know, 
um, a lot of self-doubt, uh, a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. Uh, when I moved to Atlanta, my depression became really, really bad. Before I moved here, I couldn't tell you the last time I was depressed, you know? But I moved here and it was heavy and it has just gotten heavier and heavier and my anxiety is whew. So, you know, uh, I, I definitely want to be able to talk with my therapist a lot more about that. A part of me feels like during our first session, I may have given her the impression that I kind of had it all together a little bit more, you know, but I, I want her to understand like, yeah, <laughs> by by nature, I'm kind of this person, you know, I'm kind of this. I got it together kind of person, but don't get it twisted. Yeah, especially because of the work I do. I'm still learning how to properly dump all of this this energy that I get from others off, you know, finding ways to be able to get rid of a lot of their their anger, their rage, their sorrow, their anxiety, their anxiety, you know, all of these things that are put on me when having my sessions with my clients and just finding ways to get rid of it so that I can continue to work on my own personal healing. So yeah, looking forward to that. Definitely looking forward to that. And lastly, uh, on the 11th, I celebrated my 10th anniversary of my ordination uh, becoming a Buddhist sensei. And I took a moment to reflect on the last decade and to just think about how I was received by so many people that I care about when I was first ordained and how none of them took it seriously. And, you know, I, I look back on how hurt I was at all of the things that they would joke about me and how I felt like no one showed up for me. I remember how I battled with the title of sensei and how I didn't want people to call me it because I felt like it would be, I don't know, a lot, you know? How people look at you and they're like, you know, I worked for this. You call me by so and so and so. And I'm like, I didn't want to be that person, you know. Uh, but then on the positive, I have never asked anyone to call me sensei. And I'm honored by the amount of people that do. Like, I, I can't explain to you misfits who are listening. Like, I don't ask anyone. But yet there are so many people who greet me as sensei, who call me sensei in regular conversation, you know? Uh, my, my friends who have podcasts and different shows, like when they speak of me, they say sensei. Again, I can't stress enough. I've never asked anyone to call me it. So it means so much to have been ridiculed by people when I first became ordained and to have so many people see me as someone they can come to for counsel, you know? Someone who they want to pray with, who they want to meditate with, that they take my words and what I think and how I feel, they take it seriously and it means a lot to them. And, you know, we, we often focus so much on the negatives for all of the positives that are poured into us. All you need is that one negative. And I think about this person that I consider to be a friend who I met here living in Atlanta. And we were hanging out one night and for whatever reason, I have no clue why, he informed me that he would never call me sensei. And it hurt, you know, because not only was it someone I considered a friend, but this is also someone who at the time we had romantic feelings for one another. And it was like, where did that even come from? <laughs> like, Why was that even necessary for you to do, you know? 
And I could focus on that. And I've returned there before, you know, and I've just said to myself, but take into consideration how many other people admire you, respect you, love you for being who you are in the work that you do. And we have to tell ourselves that, you know, we have to not allow ourselves to focus so much on those one or two people who have had negative things to say about us. And we have to really not only self-love, because of course you start there. Not only do you have to know that you're worthy because you say you're worthy, but also focus on those people who genuinely see you, capital S-E-E, -E, those who really see you. Focus on that and give thanks for that, you know? And, and appreciate the impact that you've made in their life. Think about that. Think about the impact that you've made on others' lives and not the people who, for whatever reason, feel the need to want to make you smaller or to make you invisible, you know? Focus on the love. Focus on the light. And with that, let's now focus on Culture of Pop. So for Culture of Pop, I'm not going to spend too much time on it, uh, but I wanted to speak on the whole situation with Jada Pinkett Smith, August Alsina, and Will Smith. Now, if you are not familiar for whatever reason with what's going on right now, uh, the whole situation between the three of them, I would implore you to pause this, go to Google, and read up on it. Definitely not going to explain everything <laughs> here on the podcast. Go check it out and then come back because uh, I was going to just, you know, like talk about how I felt just off script and everything. Uh, but I was like, no, I could find myself rambling and going too deep into how I feel. So I put up a post about two days ago on Facebook about the whole thing and figured it was probably best that I just read off of that and maybe, you know, have a few thoughts after that. So here we go. Jada was seeking to help someone else heal while she had a great deal of healing to do herself. I'm not sure how people are finding ways to make her a villain after hearing both sides. August was and is dealing with deep issues and so was and is she. Why are we not creating space for both of these humans? You all are really quick to back a black woman any other time. How does her mental health become less important because she's older than him. Folks are picking and choosing out here and that's really troubling to me. She couldn't even bring herself to call it a relationship with her husband having to flat out tell her what she and August were in. She called it uh, and she said they were entangled. It was an entanglement or something of that nature, bless her heart. I think it's a little dangerous how people are making her out to be this predator. While she clearly has a great deal of emotional and mental work that needs to be done. There are some people who are far older than August who are on the same emotional and mental levels of maturity. August was an adult at the time, so please be careful with vilifying Jada for being right or wrong. Being romantic with August may have not been a wise decision. However, I'll hold off on calling her wrong for it. This situation was and is personal for them both, and we still don't know all of the intricacies of what took place. I choose to hold space for both of them, in hopes that with time, both will heal properly. I will not make Jada the villain, as doing so won't create space for her to not ever do this again down the road. 
My hope is that she reflects on this journey and learns more about herself, as she says she has done. I also hope that August can love and trust again, knowing that he's worthy of a love that's made just for him. Misfits is really easy to attack people. It takes a lot more to empathize and understand. Please remember that this isn't your story, it's theirs. Do not bring your own pain and trauma into a story that doesn't concern you. Shaming August and or Jada proves nothing more than people are unwilling to allow space for people to be human and to grow. Now, that is the post that I put on Facebook. There are several people who have commented. I'm going to reply to them um, this week coming. However, there was one that stuck out to me. There was a sister who came in, and I love people like this. I love when we can have disagreements, but be respectful about it, you know? There was a sister who came in there, and she had made comment about the part that I put, saying you know, not to bring your own pain and trauma into the story because it doesn't concern you, it's theirs. And she had asked, I'm not quoting her verbatim, she was pretty much asking, how is it, how do you expect us to do that? You know, how do you expect us to not put our own feelings and everything into this? Because, and she was stating, you know, that she came from a home like this or she's had experiences like this. And, you know, how can I look at this story and not have feelings? You know, how can I not be transported, you know, triggered back to these situations? And as I read this, I thought to myself, but I've experienced all of this too, you know? I've gone through this scenario. I've understood the pain that August has felt. So as I read what it was that she was saying, I'm like, I've experienced all of this as well. And I still choose not to judge. We're all different, you know, and I have to make space for her as well, because I can't judge the fact that she did feel some kind of way. That's human. We're human. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of people making jokes about the entanglement and everything. Understandable. You know, I definitely understand that. I'm not going to sit here and say, let's be really serious about the whole thing. However, with that being said, we really do have to make space for Jada's mental health as well. We have to. It's not just August. It's widely known the issues that he deals with as far as his mental health. But you could look at that conversation on Red Table Talk between Jada and Will, you know, when Jada was able to tell her side of the story, and you can clearly see that there's a lot that she's still battling with. A lot, you know? And not to get too deep into astrology, but Virgos do a really good job of covering that up. A really good job. <laughs> if you ever want to see two signs who are very big on you not seeing them sweat when it comes to things like this, Aries and Virgo got you. Aries and Virgo got you good, you know? So I understand why Will had to look at her, you know? And he was he was very respectful. You know, I'm going to give you room to kind of correct yourself. But then when she didn't, he's like, no, it's it's a relationship, you know? <laughs> Call it what it is, this this entanglement and things that you're, you're coming up with. No, we're here and we're right now. I understand that you, you weren't prepared for this. You know, if it was up to you, you would have kept it your business and you would have moved on. Because the truth is, is that Virgos have no problem being honest. However, they're going to give you information on their time. You know, it's, it's very curated. This is what it is that you get to know. This is what it is that you don't get to know. And she had no desire for people to know that. 
So even in this instance, she, you know, she chose we were going to do a red table. Well, as far as we know, she chose they were going to do a red table talk. It could have been Will for all we know. But even that moment where she had an opportunity to say what it is, call it what it is, call a thing a thing, as Yonla would say, she couldn't do it. So Will, you know, kind of nudged her out there. Listen, this is what it is. Just say it, you know. So we have to create space for the fact that she is at the age that she is at and she is still having human experiences because she's what? Human. So misfits, be careful for the way that you judge. I was really caught off guard by some of the things that people were saying about her, express, especially the whole predatory thing, you know, the grooming thing. That's a lot. Not only is it a lot, but it's people once again taking their own journeys and feelings and placing it on Jada. That's dangerous. Feel how you're going to feel. You know, we, we don't get to say if you're right or wrong in your feelings. But please be, be careful with your decision to place whatever pain that you've experienced or the pain that you've caused others onto other human beings. Be careful with that. I was, I was deeply, I won't say disturbed, I was saddened by some of the things that I read online. I really was because I don't know it, it it bothers me how easily especially a lot of these people who consider themselves to you know be be healers or be you know quote-unquote woke and all of these things the way that they so easily turn on people so easily you know so easily but that's a whole different conversation as far as the way that people started viewing Jada once she created Red Table Talk you know, because then we can get into a whole conversation about people who are out here doing healing work. And if their healing work doesn't look exactly how you want their healing work to look, if they're not, you know, like caping for all of the things you feel like they should cape for, then suddenly they're not for the same causes that you're for. And that's problematic, deeply problematic. But we're going to move on from that. <laughs> we're going to move on from that. And we're now going to get into my conversation with the brothers of a black, gay, and stuck at home. So first, let me tell you a little bit about them. Michael Ward is an actor, LGBT rights, and HIV AIDS advocate and writer. He hosts counter-narrative counter projects, Revolutionary Health. I don't know why that was a tongue twister for me. Um, <laughs> the show focuses on black gay men's health and wellness. And then we have Joshua Jenks. Excuse me, Joshua Jenkins. Joshua Henry Jenkins is a community amplifier who, create, who creates and supports projects that uplift people of color, LGBTQIA individuals, citizens of rural areas, and most importantly, those who exist at those intersections. He's the director of web and new media for Americans for Arts and the board chair of the Arts Administrators of Color Network. He produces and co-hosts the Art Accordingly podcast, which interrogates equity in the arts as well. He is also a facilitator around issues of equity, inclusion, access, and privilege in organizational culture in the arts. I don't know why reading both of those was like such a tongue twister for me. Um, but as you can see from their bios, these brothers are both quite awesome-tastic. So please enjoy this conversation with Mike and Josh of Black Gay Stuck at Home. And I'll see you on the other side, Misfits. Misfits. 
explain Black Gay Stuck at Home every other Friday as we push through this pandemic together. It's simple. Bring your snacks, your drinks, and get comfy and settle into a one-night-only screening and live chat of an amazing film that centers Black queer folks. It's like watching a movie with your friends and you never know who may stop by. We're building community while decompressing with one another and amplifying the voices of our own. And we're more than excited to partner with the Healing Space podcast because community care and joy are at the center of how we heal when we are Black, gay, and stuck at home. So find out more about us and when you can catch our next screening at bgsah.com. Now back to the Healing Space. So I am honored to be joined by you two guys. Nice to see you all, like literally see you all. <laughs> Josh, Mike, how are you? How are you? Not bad, not bad. <laughs> so we're on here because we want to talk about not only how you all have been doing during the quarantine, but also black gay stuck at home. So, uh, you know, this is going to be a fun conversation. Keep it light, keep it light in light of everything that's going on in the world right now, you know. Uh, Mike, Mike has me feeling funny about lifting up this uh, this water and showing what the brand the is. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm not trying to show the brand now that he said what he said. I'm like, that's a good point. Your hydration is very important. Listen, they're not paying you for free promo. I'm just, I'm just trying to tell you. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Well, first of all, Josh, welcome to the healing space. This is your first time. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having us. I'm really happy to be here. And I'm appreciative of y'all's support, for real, for real. Absolutely, absolutely. Mike is like the THS family. So yeah, all of the misfits know about Mike. Ah. <laughs> but I'm very happy to have you both here, definitely. I think that what you guys are doing with Black Gay Second Home is phenomenal. But we're gonna get into that a little bit later. So the first question I wanted to ask you both is how have you been managing being stuck at home right now? So I guess I'll go to Mike first, because it's not like we haven't had the conversation here on THS before. Josh can go first since he's new to the show. <laughs> but I mean, most of the misfits already know if they've listened to the podcast how you've been doing. So yours won't be as but long as Josh's. They want the fresh meat. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, fresh meat. Um, I'm stuck at home trying to make the best of this situation. Working from home, lots of work from home doing everything in this spot from home, but blessed. I'm blessed, I'm grateful and I'm blessed to be able to work, to still help people, to do what I love to do, honestly, um, to still have community of people. Uh, to me, I mean, pretty much is finding pockets of joy right now. It's finding pockets of joy, is what I've been trying to tell the people. Yeah. Staying in that space. And what about you, Josh? Uh, it goes and comes, right? Like, like some days are better than others. And um, I feel like, well, in all transparency, I came home to North Carolina. I was in DC and so I'm home in North Carolina with my mother, which is its own sort of process of, right. of being stuck at home, not only by yourself, but you know, you got a, you got a roommate and your roommate's your mama. Um, but it's been very humbling to be quite honest. I think there's a lot of like sort of moments for reflection um that i didn't necessarily have embedded in my day before and so it's um it's been interesting mm -hmm. um and some days i think are better than others but it's about finding those joy those joyful moments too that i think sort of make the hard days or like the not knowing when it's going to be over um absolutely kind of difficult 
Now, tapping into what you said as far as joy, how important has it been for the both of you to be able to find that joy? You know, because in a lot of conversations, I don't know about you guys, but a lot of conversations I have with people, they often lean into the negatives of what's been going on as far as COVID, as far as, you know, like the, the racism that we've always known was here in America, but a lot of other people who are waking up to it, a lot of people are leaning very heavily into that. So how important is it for you guys when it comes to joy to really tap into that? Either of you can take it first. Um, <laughs> I think joy is part of resistance. I think joy is part of, um, when I think about protests, I think about, I think about uh, times of adversity. I think that joy has to be a component of it. And sometimes the joy comes easily and sometimes you have to go find the joy. And so um, for me, it's been a much more intentional part of my day or week to go and say like, I need to make sure I have space for myself and that space needs to be joyful mm -hmm. or celebratory or something that feels like, um, I don't know, you can't, you can't let folks forget that um, we're still here. We're resilient folks. Um, our communities keep going and we have to celebrate that. And so I think that's why joy has to be a factor in that sort of day-to-day -day for me because otherwise I know I will as a person sort of sink into the into the negative or yeah. not see the not see the positive as easily so um so it's I think it's an, it's almost equally as important to take critique and protest and um, uh, movement building and pair it with celebration and joy because I think we we speak louder when we when we amplify our voices in both of those kinds of ways. Absolutely, balance is needed. Yes. Always, balance is needed. And what about you, Mike? Um, <laughs> I oh my god! So there's this really great eight minute um, audio snippet of Mark Thompson, Prepster UK, um, that I think everybody should listen to. Um, because it talks about joy um, and finding those moments of joy. And it's kind of like an uplifting thing for me, like in moments when I get sad, because I'm I'm working on balance. I think the key word for me this month is balance. Mm. June was a very heavy month. Um, and it was a lot of doing the work, doing the work, doing the work, running with my head down, is how I called it. Um, and finally having a moment to look up and being like, oh, okay, we've created this thing. This thing is happening. Um, I'm, I'm in this, the middle of this thing and I haven't really got a moment to like take those times to celebrate it and specifically yeah. one and two. I think doing one and two with Danye, um, Danye, our love's a tremendous play, but I was like, I'm in this thing, I'm in this thing, I'm in this thing. And you know, you and I were talking through it and it was moments just laying in the bed and being like emotionally drained, but looking up after the fact of being like, you did it. And like me and Josh always are like that. We're like, oh, okay, friend, we did it. We did it. Um, so it's been important to me to balance it with uh, the black trans murders with Rayshard Brooks right up the street from me, um, the protests with so much black trauma and black pain. And I also feel like the, I don't want to say the world, but I also feel like sometimes within the power structures that are built on white supremacy that a lot of them get off on our black trauma, our black pain. And that's essentially what it is to me of watching black men and black women and black trans um, people die, yeah. you know, repeatedly in this news cycle is that there has to be a moment, like Josh said, of resistance that's joyful, that's happy, that's upbeat, that's saying that, fuck y'all, y'all did all of this to us and I'm still here. I'm still surviving and thriving. 
And we are not going to come out on the other side of this the same way that we came into this shit. So y'all need to go ahead and get ready for it. So it's a balance of finding, like I say, those pockets of joy, but also feeling the feeling my feels when I need to feel them. But practicing joy and gratitude. Thank you, therapy. It's also teaching me that. Come on. Yes. (laughs) Yes, Yes, indeed. Weekly is a blessing. So that's a beautiful transition. Thank you for that, Mike, because that goes beautifully into my next question, which is about mental health. So THS is a mental health podcast. So I wanted to check in with the both of you when it comes to your mental health. How have you both been doing uh, in regards to what's going on in the world right now? Uh, Mike first. Yeah, me and my therapist are talking um, pretty much regularly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Pretty much talking regularly um, as much as I can. Um, Finding ways to, like I say, take into account all of the great things that are happening. So even in my journal, I'm doing gratitude practices. So I'm trying to, and I'm holding myself accountable by saying this out loud. I'm trying to, at least for the next month, um, write down three things that I'm grateful for every Mm -hmm. morning. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I heard someone on one of these things that said, uh, we always grab our phone first in the morning when we don't even know if all our limbs work. And I felt so guilty, because I'm like, I don't even know if my legs work, but I know I didn't reach over here and grab the phone, just because it's, it's instinct. So. I want to start my mornings off of practicing gratitude, take care of my mental health, take inventory of all the things that I am grateful for. Um, And I think it's just, I think it's just therapy. I think just therapy has been the the major thing and more stuff will come back to me as soon as I let the question go. But I think (laughs) I'm, I'm privileged. And I say this all the time to everybody, I am privileged. And I'm grateful and thankful as well to be able to afford healthcare and a therapist. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can get on my soapbox about the U.S. healthcare system, but mm-hmm. I am grateful. I'm grateful to have a therapist who is culturally competent and well versed in being black and gay. So yes, thank God. Absolutely. And and to to what you said, as far as the phone in the morning, <clears throat> I had to make a, a conscious decision to not do that because, like you said, it, it's just it's nature. It, it's how we are. We wake up in the morning, we are immediately go reaching for it. So what I do, and, I, and it's definitely far from perfect. <laughs> I'll go to reach and then I'll pull myself back. I lay on my back and I meditate, you know? And I know for me, taking a lot of slow, deep, intentional breaths, that helps me in the morning. You know, focus on that first, make sure you're pouring into you first. And then if we're being honest, reach for the phone. Um, <laughs> so yeah. the work now is, okay, allow yourself to get up out of the bed, do a few things, you know, the phone yeah. will be there for you, you know? Um, so it's, it's a step-by-step process. So thank you for mentioning that as well, Mike. Uh, Josh, what about you? Um, so I also have a therapist, uh, which is a blessing and a gift. And even on, even in, there's always something to talk about for sure, yeah. but I have a therapist that also gives me space to not talk if I if I just don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, th- a therapy session one day where he was like, "If you just want to sit here and we can look at each other," I was like, "Can we do that for like five minutes?" Like, <laughs> you know, like. Um, so for me, it's been around largely around advocating for myself and my needs. I think yeah. it's easy to sort of like get caught up in. Um, 
I don't know, the frenzy and urgency of everything that's happening right now. And so being able to clearly articulate for myself and for others what I need has been a really big part of like strengthening my mental health. Um, and a lot of that ends up like manifesting as like boundary setting. Mm -hmm. So like the idea of ending a work day at a, at a time every single day or the idea of like having a hard stop is something that's really foreign to me, especially in a, in a climate where everybody's working from home, which sort of subconsciously sends messages that you are now accessible all the time. Yeah. And that means that you can email me and to send me messages all the time and I'm expected to answer or something. So that's been harder for me to navigate, especially now. So, uh, so I was getting overwhelmed all the time because mm -hmm. I felt like there was no end of the day. Um, and so that was starting to suck the joy out of the things that I love, right? So I had to be much more intentional about saying, my weekends are my weekends, or like my day ends at this day today, or this time today. Um, and then, you know, Black Day Stuck at Home helps because like, I know I got to be off at a particular time because Friday night's gonna happen. So right. I'm gonna do that, you know what I mean? So like, I don't know, it's been interesting um, trying to navigate it. And so I think my mental health has been much more of a priority these days um, yeah. because of it. Um, and then also just trying to figure out when to take my damn vacation time because I think we've somehow fooled ourselves into thinking that, that you know, we don't deserve vacation time in a pandemic because we're all at home. But like taking time off has been something that I'm actively trying to tell myself to do because even if I'm only going from the bed to the living room, not having a full day sometimes and having the space to go do the things that you need to do for yourself is yeah. a really valuable tactic in keeping on and moving. Um, so those are the things I think I've sort of encountered, but largely I think uh, it's been an interesting sort of journey in a stuck inside the house and trying to manage mental health at the same time. Listen, I'm I'm listening to you and I'm like, you've spoken my life so much. Like <laughs> you have so spoken my life. I'm I'm listening to you and I'm like, the way that my anxiety has showed up so much in 2020 in ways that I did because I mean for years, for years I didn't even acknowledge that I had anxiety issues, you know? And then it was as if, and I've talked to Mike about this, once I crossed over 40, it just completely changed. Looked totally different. And so I've had to completely change the way that I operate in my day-to-day -day with my job because of it, you know? Yep. Uh, because with my, my work phone, like I was so excited when I first got this job because in the life coach work that I've done, it's always been people who are closer to my age, you know? Um, single, couples, all that stuff. But even though they had different things they were dealing with, including mental health issues, it didn't look the same as working with young adults, you know, 18 mm -hmm. to 24, it looked totally different. So these clients that I had before I started this job, they understood, here's our session. Unless it's an emergency, there is no calling you, you know? Whereas with this job, it's like, I'm just gonna call you because I don't have anybody else to talk to. Right. So initially I was excited, like, oh, I love this. I love like really showing up in my work for these people. This is why I'm here. This is what I'm passionate about. But after a while, it began to really, really wear on me. And especially in 2020, it's really worn me down. So I finally had to get to the point over the last, just the last two months, finally turning my phone off. So, you know, mm. on, on weekends, is, and I don't even think, I, I don't think I even told you that, Mike, but the no. work phone gets cut off on weekends now. Totally you cut off. Um, and after four o'clock on weekdays, it's put on silent. 
Uh, the only time I pay attention to it, you know, each of us life coaches on campus has one week where we're on call. So that's 24 hours. But after that week, we're good. And our supervisor is like, no, listen, look out for yourself. <laughs> like, whatever it is you have to do, those kids know there's somebody else who they can go to, you know? Not only that, but we also have RAs and security on campus as well. So it's like, no, look out for yourself because I was starting to get sick, you know? And things were happening to me where I'm like, this doesn't normally happen to my body. What's going on? So I had to really show up for myself. So when you said that, I'm like, that's true, as well as vacation time. So I don't think I've ever used as little vacation time as I have since having this job. Yep. Um, I think I have maybe a month's worth of vacation that I need to take right now. And all of my Same. coworkers are like, if you don't just take off, I'm like, where am I, first of all, where am I going to go? <laughs> <'Cause> mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like any place that I go, once I get there, most of the places are shut down. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like my best friend was saying, he's like, but still you're getting away. You're allowing mm -hmm. yourself to go somewhere, even if it's just when you leave out of your hotel, you're just sitting on the beach and that's it, you know? That's what my therapist told me. Listen, yep. she said, even if you just drive to the beach and look at the water, yes. that's a vacation. Yes. <laughs> listen. Listen. So you are, you know, I'm contemplating mine. Josh knows that too, because we talk about vacation. I'm like, I have finally built a vacation into my calendar. <laughs> Jesus. Yep. So I'm, I'm going home. I'm going back to uh, the DMV in September, but I want something before that. Like I'm like, and I mean, I'm gonna yeah. be there for a while, but I'm like, even before that, like when, when Mike just said, even if you're just driving past the water, I'm sitting here like, I'm about to take myself to Savannah. Like, <laughs> Cause I enjoyed it when I went before. So, you know, I'm like, just go down there and allow yourself. Cause I miss being on the coast. You know, as somebody who grew up on the coast, I miss the water. It's probably one of the things I miss the most since moving to Atlanta is just being near water all the time. Um, yeah. Right? <laughs> Florida. <laughs> yes. I don't know something about this whole like, I don't know. I've never been someone for nature. Like I've been very like a city indoor, like, you know, hustle and bustle kind of person. I mean, mm -hmm. give it, I mean, which is funny considering I grew up in like rural North Carolina, but <laughs> I have been so in touch with my like nature side since I have been in this pandemic because, you know, the, it seems like sometimes the safest place is in the middle of nowhere and in the middle of the woods or on a beach somewhere by yourself or, you know. So it's been interesting because I think a lot of folks are connecting in a new way to like, outside <laughs> because we can't do it as much so it's like oh wait i can't go to the mall but i can go to the beach or yes. i can go to a lake or i can go hang out in the middle of the woods or something like that so like it's interesting to to like rediscover that part of yourself you know i don't think i've seen so many people riding bikes taking walks and especially being plant parents as much as I have during quarantine. <laughs> the nurseries see... are thriving. Yes. Okay? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but okay, so let's get into Black Gay Stuck at Home. So I wanted to ask you guys, how did you come up with the idea? Share with the misfits exactly what it is and how you all came up with the, the concept for Black Gay Stuck at Home. I love when Michael tells a story, so Michael's gonna tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> So, where do I begin? Um, gather around, kids, it's story I was about time. to say, it sounds like story time, yes. <laughs> Grab your cocktails, as we love at Black Gay Stuck at Home. Um, so, Black Gay Stuck at Home are, uh, 
do we have to we should explain to the people right mm-hmm. what black gay stuck at home is yeah so black gay stuck at home is josh and i i don't even know if this is grammatically correct <laughs> uh baby where we scream uh scream jesus screen movies <laughs> see this is the virgo in me coming out because now that you said that this was recorded now <laughs> i'm like oh, no. So anyway, Black Gay Stuck at Home. So uh, Patrick Ian Polk had posted a clip from Punks on his Facebook page. I forgot now what it was in reference to, but one of my friends commented under it on Facebook because you know, Facebook is all in our lives now. So it's like so-and-so commented on whatever. So I go to look at it and he's like, oh my God, I've never seen the movie. I've always wanted to see the movie. And so I'm like, cool. Well, I've got the movie at the house and like, we should totally do a movie night, except we're stuck in quarantine. So I had posted like as a joke that we should do like a virtual movie night of punks, like who wants to do it? Um, and so Josh had also had punks in his spirit and was it was on his heart. So he came across the post and he saw it. And I was like, and he was like, oh, are you serious about doing like a virtual movie night, all of this kind of stuff? I was like, let's do it. So let's make it happen. And really, I think it was a week, right? So we yeah. did it like, we did it like all in a week. We were like, let's totally make this thing happen. We're gonna do like a virtual movie night because so many people haven't seen the movie. Right. So we were Facebook messaging each other, trying to like, cause Josh's like, well, what should we call this? And so I'm like, I have absolutely no clue what we should call this thing. <laughs> and so somehow we started like talking and I'm like, um, I think it was the Anthony Anderson gift where he's on the couch curled up crying, if everybody knows that one. And I was like, I'm black. Um, I'm black, gay, and stuck at home or something. Somehow that came and we were like, this has a nice little ring to it. Let's make this <laughs> bad boy happen. And literally in a week, we put it together. We, uh, Josh is wonderful with the graphics as I'm wearing one of his designs that you can get <laughs> from his website. Um, so Josh put all the graphics together. We came out, we promoted it. Um, Patrick got wind of it. And Patrick started reposting it um, and the cast and the crew, everyone kind of came in like the very first time. And we were like, well, we're stuck in quarantine. So if he knows that we're doing this, like what is it gonna hurt us to shoot an email? Like it doesn't cost us anything, right? Right, right. And so we could, at least we can do it to ask him to come. So we um, asked him to come to screen the movie and we just thought he was going to come in and just say, hey, bye, thank y'all, love you, good night, Beyonce, mic drop. <laughs> and he ended up staying afterwards for mm-hmm. like 30 to 45 minutes. Um, and he as well stayed in um, in the chat because it's a live screening with the interactive chat. And I'll be telling y'all, it's like AOL chat back in the 90s. Sometimes you can't keep up. Everything Listen, going so quickly. that conversation is no joke. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> it goes by so quick. And he was dropping gems just throughout the movie by getting it made. Um, like the history of casting everyone and all of those things. And we're sitting there, uh, me and Josh sitting there interviewing like Patrick and Polk. And I'm just like, wow, like this is, we have a thing. Like this yeah. is really gonna be a thing. But I think it really, um, of anything, it speaks to like, um, for me, a lot of the work that I do, as you know, with Counter Narrative is focused on black gay men, health and wellness with the YouTube show Revolutionary Health and taking care of it. But so much of it really is, for me, of creating community for people, um, especially black people of uh, 
black people of color, Jesus, black queer people, <laughs> black, black queer people who, you know, are self-isolating or in quarantine that they may not have a community or they can't see their friends. And what better way for us to like community organize and kind of combat some of that loneliness that people may feel um, in those spaces and give them a bit of history that they didn't know. And especially from the filmmakers and to give them opportunities uh, for like screenwriters and filmmakers that we had too that came to like the last screening that um, came in and just got to ask questions about making film and where do you get the characters from. So it's really, so that's really the origin of how it started. But I think after me and Josh did like the first one um, that had maybe like four or 500 people that came with us the first night while we screened yep. punks. What's behind me right yeah. here? Yeah. We can promote that. <laughs> we can promote Patrick. Um, after we did it, we were like, okay, so like, this is like, this is a thing. And so many of the really beautiful messages that we got from people, I think really like caused us to, to continue to do this and, and puts the fuel in us. Cause this, this has become something really, really special, really special. Absolutely. So what has it been like for you, Josh? What has the experience been like? You know, I think it was, it's been a bit of a whirlwind because I, I think we we initially thought, oh, this will be really cute. 10 of our friends, like, first of all, we have to clarify, Michael and I have never met before, right? So that's Ever. another sort of like <laughs> layer on top of this that people don't realize is that like, we're like long time Facebook and Twitter and Instagram followers of each other, but like, have never met in person, still have not met in person, right? So. When That's Mike first told me that, I was like, what? Y'all never <laughs> would have never known. Would have no, never right. known. I so was running been like through a, Amsterdam wearing your shirts and all that kind of stuff. Right, right, like, like, yeah. he, so, but we've always sort of like known each other, known of each other, known each other, like, you know, that kind of thing. But so that's been an unintended sort of blessing in all of this is that like now we've sort of been able to cultivate a friendship because we talk all the time now. Right. About all of the things. Um, but we never anticipated that it was going to be 500 people who wanted to come and watch, you know, punks with us. Um, and people were asking, when are we do like, when are we going to do this again? Or, you know, like, what's the, what's the next one and that kind of stuff. And so I think, um, it ended up being like necessary for us to fill the void because like Michael said, everybody was stuck. We're still stuck. And so people needed community. And I'm, you know, I myself feel it now being in rural North Carolina where there are not a lot of like open uh, queer folks, uh, let alone black, black and queer folks here. And so um, it became even more important for me to have a community where there was no physical community happening. Um, and so a lot of people do come into the, um, into the room every, every other week and it's likely that they're like doing this all alone. And so I think that's that's reason enough for why we kept going. Right. Um, and we've had a consistent sort of like, you know, level of engagement with folks ever since. It's always, you know, sometimes some weeks are 400 registrants, sometimes they're 150, but like we have a steady flow of people who come every two weeks. Well, some people have been every single time. And so, yeah. you know, it's kind of awesome to think that um, we've, unintentionally create a space for folks, but um, it's an important space for a lot of people who do come. Um, and the funny thing is that, you know, sometimes people come in, we've heard that people come in to commemorate, you know, anniversaries of, of uh, happy things. Um, sometimes people are coming in because they're 
grieving like loss or um, or uh, remembering something or someone that they've lost recently. Um, so they'll come and use the space for whatever they need it to be. Um, some people come in and say like, uh, someone, I had a friend that said that he was like, you know, gonna have a quarantine date in the room. So like, it's sort of like, you never know who's coming in and why they're coming in the room, but we're just like, I think blessed to be able to provide the space and then also amplify the the voices of uh, Black gay um, filmmakers and queer filmmakers um, who have been able to give us these wonderful gems of movies and then we get to sort of bring light to them in a new kind of way. Because we're not just showing any old thing either, right? right. So, um, so that's been a really sort of great uh, added benefit is to be able to like show these awesome movies and then also have by, you know, um, a byproduct of that also being that sometimes the people hop in the room like Patrick did and we've seen that happen over and over and over again. So it grew organically. We ain't, 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 we've never sort of said like we're gonna like, you know, this is all on ten cents in a in a Zoom account, you know. Right. <laughs> like, so, so yeah, it's been really cool so far. As someone, one of those people who has actually been in the room for every single one, uh, I have to say that it's an awesome experience to be able to see everybody together, you know. Um, and as Mike has said earlier, the conversation, listen, I tell people all the time, don't private message me because I'm, I'm not going to see anything that you say to me. That's real. <laughs> I, try to, I really do try to keep up with the people. <laughs> but, but going into the next question, it has really created some seriously memorable moments. You know, like you all were saying, as far as the people who show up, you know, the, the creators, the, the actors who are in the movies, it's wonderful to see them not only come and join, but to contribute so much toward the conversation afterwards, interacting with people in the chat room while it's happening, you know? Um, I, I think that that's beautiful. And with that part being said, going into the next question, what have been some of the most memorable moments for you all in regards to Black Gay and Stuck at Home? What are some of the moments that have really stuck out to you from all of the experiences that you've had so far? <laughs> I cry, okay. <laughs> I could be crying every week, every other week. <laughs> I, I love it. I, I am here for Black men feeling emotion. Um, because honestly, honestly, truly, um, from like the bottom of my heart, like there are so many memories that I have, but I think the, the one that just still resonates with me is the first time. I, I think I think as as a black gay man who loved the fuck out of Noah's Ark, of wanting to be on the show, of wanting to have a set of friends like that, of wanting to meet Patrick Ian Polk. Um, and I've actually met him in person, but like actually wanting to sit down and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with him and talk about like his process and, and all of these things. Um, to have him sit in the room like that first time with us and just tell the history behind it and yeah. how he got punks made. And um, it came out in 2000 when it wasn't um, popular and lucrative and, and a moneymaker to make these kind of films, but to tell those stories about how Babyface and his uh, wife at the time, Tracy Edmonds, were on board and they really put a lot of love, heart, and soul in that movie um, 
to just to be sitting there and talking to him with so many people and to like be realizing that I'm like I'm geeking on the inside but I have to hold it in yeah um I think the first you know the first time and now that I actually think about it I was wearing a Sade Love Deluxe shirt the first time so I'm just gonna put my Sade quote in there it's never as good as the first time um <laughs> and they're totally random it's how my mind works people <laughs> um but yes I, I think that probably for me has been the most memorable time and I also think um Oh, there's so many memories. I don't want to take any from you, Josh. Um, but I think that has been the best one. The messages I get um, from people um, from other countries as well, I think are, are so memorable for me because they stay up late. Yeah. Um, from the UK, from Africa, we had somebody from Ireland um, that stay up late with us because they have this craving and this desire to see these films and to experience community with us. And Y'all see me crying. I'll be crying at the end of all, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> what um, about you, Josh? Yeah, I think like, certainly when people pop up, that's like always memorable. Patrick popping up was beyond, I think, in either of our sort of wildest dreams, especially on the first go round. Yeah. He came back again for to hop in the chat for the Noah's Ark one. So like, um, He's he you know he's posted about a lot of the ones that we've been doing. He posted about Jackie's back the other day, like you know. So I think like he's, um, you know, really been kind of supportive of of what we're doing. Um, but I think there's lots of I think the chat is a thing that I just can never wrap my head around. But the when people do hop in, they drop really sort of important things that will never they've never been covered in interviews because nobody's ever thought to interview these people about their films in depth you know like um i think about nathan hill williams coming in and and talking about dirty laundry and talking about how this role was not meant for you know jennifer lewis to play it was first casted with shirley ralph in it like we would have never known those kinds of things yeah. but for like my gay ass that's a big thing right like <laughs> so now i'm gonna sit there and watch you know the film and be like i wonder what shirley ralph would have done with this or something you know like yeah um so those kinds of moments i think um I didn't expect to have a moment with Paris is Burning because it's such an important and sort of like notable film. But yeah. the idea that we showed Paris is Burning and there were people in the room who had never seen it before. Mm -hmm. And so we were their first time like watching such an iconic film meant a lot to me. Um, yeah. Like ushering in sort of a, a younger generation of folks who I right. think had never seen that. So that was really powerful. Every time it's something, it's something new to be quite honest. Um, even the last go round with, uh, we showed a, a lesser known film called Chocolate Babies and Stephen Winter, the film's writer and director hopped in, but then we had the cast come in and but then the cast came in with all of their experiences. And so we had Michael Lynch who um, plays um, one of the sort of, um, uh, a trans character in the film and is a trans woman, um, talk about like her like history with Marsha P. Johnson. And I was just like, what is going on here? Like, you know, oh yeah, me and Marsh used to kick it. We was in the same performance troupe. Like, who are these people coming in to like share this space with us, right? Like what a blessing it is to be able to do that over and over and over again. And yeah. So, so there's always been, you know, a, a new thing to be like, like WTF about. Yeah. Um, so yeah. My, um, my most memorable would which I did not expect if you would have asked me this before the movie premiered it definitely wouldn't have been this but my most memorable would be chocolate babies 
And mm-hmm. I did not expect it. And I talked to Mike about it. And I said, when it first, I hadn't heard of it before. And when it first started, I was sitting there telling Devin, Mike, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> if you could have seen a look on my face, Josh, I'm looking like, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. This is rough. Yeah. Like they're going all in with this movie. Yeah. But the further along it went, I'm like, wow. First of all, act. First of all, y'all okay. better act. <laughs> that was first, you know? Yeah. Uh, but then it's my favorite chat. It's the it's my favorite chat of all of the ones that you all have done. Like there were, for me, there were just so many layers. And being in all of the movies that you guys have shown, I've seen all of the chats afterwards. And the amount of questions that came out of this last one, people just kept on knocking off more and more yep. questions. And the fact that none of them needed to leave. All of them were like, you know, we're here. We're answering the yep. questions. We're engaging, you know. I love when the people who are a part of the films congratulate you guys or let you guys know that they've checked out other ones and that they've heard about you, you know? I love hearing that. I love that Patrick came back for both and that it was no thing. It wasn't that he was like, you know, I had to clear this out right, from my schedule right, to make right. sure that I was here, you know? Right. So that that means a lot to me to, to see that he, that everybody understands how important this is. Mm-hmm. Because some people could be like, this is a fly-by-night situation, whatever, girl. We don't need to really care about this. But the people are so invested, you know? And I was saying um, to Mike, I'm sorry, go ahead, John. It's like intergenerational too, right? So like there's there's something about, um, I I had a moment in the last screening where I was like, wow, like these are, I mean, I I don't like to throw around the word elder unless people are receptive to that kind of word. Not everybody wants to be called an elder, but like those are some of our elders. Those are the the folks that came before. And so there's this interesting swath of like demographic in the, in the room. It's like, you got, you know, young folks who've never seen any of these films who were like, you know, babies. And then you got, you know, folks who were in the brother to brother um, chat. There was a whole conversation around like, what is what is what does singleness mean when you've reached a certain age in your life mm. as a gay man? That was a really important conversation that needed to be had, and it was happening in the chat, right? Yes. So, like, we don't often get that kind of intergenerational uh, conversation and connection, or it's a little bit uh, less pointed. Like, we get to put people in a room together and do that, right? But when we go and socialize and go to the club and we go here and we go, you know, to the bar and all this other kind of stuff, like we don't oftentimes get that same sort of like genuine interaction. So it's sort of like nice to be able to facilitate those kinds of conversations. Absolutely. So sticking with what we've been saying as far as the chat and, you know, uh, facilitating those conversations and things of that nature, how important is community to the existence of Black Gay Stuck at Home? Ooh. (laughs) <laughs> everything. I think it's everything. It's 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 our foundation. I mean, it's 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 really everything because of course if nobody comes to see the movie except for me and Josh, <laughs> it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a thing. But I think like Josh was saying about the chat, I'm I'm a student as well. So mm-hmm. I, I wanna I wanna forever learn about new things. And I mean, people come in and they drop books, they drop other film recommendations that we should do. But as far in terms of like community and gathering, I mean, some of these people have been here every week. They send mm-hmm. us messages, DMs. Um, I don't want to call anybody's name out just for their their protection, but there there's 
people that constantly hit us up on like the Instagram page, like, hey, I'm here, I'm in the waiting room. Like you saw me last week. And I'm like, my bad. Um, but even kind of like starting that thing now where we do kind of the roll call of like where y'all from, where y'all at, and really watching people link up through like the chat. Like it's like, oh, this is cute. Like people that are in the same city in the same space. And I think sometimes, um, like one time people were like, we went to the same high school or wow. I know this person from the film. I mean, those things happen all there in the chat. And it wouldn't happen, of course, if these people um, wouldn't be there and come. But I also want to say again is that it's also a learning experience for the people that come to the movies that are filmmakers, that are screenwriters, that are actors, that you don't get this opportunity. like. Again, I don't know just by walking down the street and being like, hey, Patrick, can I have 30 minutes of your time? Right. If he would have stopped, I wouldn't have got, you know, to talk to Alex Langford, you know, even though we work with kind of narrative project together, who knew uh, Marlon Riggs and Essex Hemfield. And I, how else would I have been able to kind of access, you know, these people within building this community? And I think the chat lets us do that, the movie. Let's just do that. So community to me is kind of the foundation. I think people, we tried one time not to have the chat on when we had the spam bot incident. <laughs> when we got, we got spam, y'all. Somebody came in there and was talking about fuck Donald Trump and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, okay. Um, I thought it was performance um, art. I was like, oh. Uh, right. I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> but then it got weird. It got really weird. It did yeah. get really then weird. Yeah. Then it yeah. turned to the left and they started like spamming the chat. So we were like, maybe we'll just kind of like turn the chat off. And the people were like, no, nope, yeah. no, do not turn the chat off at all. They so, were like, we'll wait. You can <laughs> figure right, it we out. Will, right. <laughs> right. We will wait. We will get a new link. We'll come back. <laughs> and I think that too, that means a lot to us as well, because like me and Josh are sitting like, what the fuck are we going to do? But <laughs> just to still have like that affirmation and everything from people are like, no, y'all are doing something. We want this. We, we, we want to be here. People are looking, looking forward to this every, every two weeks. So I, I do. I, I think it's just the foundation for me of, of what black is, black, black gay back at home is about. <laughs> <laughs> That's real. I, I, I just want to sort of also like, I, I don't know. I, at one point I was just like, what if nobody comes anymore, right? Like, cause I think that when we started it, it was at the peak of everybody, like, you know, the literally every other commercial was stay your ass at home, right? Mm -hmm. Like we were, that was the message. And so as, as we know, in this country, we are not under a unified plan um, of attack on this pandemic. And so state by state and city by city and community by community around the country, phase one, two, three, four started to roll out. And so, we weren't seeing 500 people necessarily hopping into every single one as like, you know, the outside opened up again. Um, and so I was just like, I wonder if there's, this is gonna be like null and void in two weeks. But no, people are still showing up. And so I was like, well, there must be something here outside of a pandemic and the idea of being stuck at home. Sure, the idea was birthed in the, in, in the necessity of community in a time when we were all um, stuck in the house. But if you take away the pandemic and those circumstances, there's still a need there and there's still a community there, folks that want to gather, talk to one another, laugh, yeah. decompress, you know, escape whatever sort of troubles they they are, you know, experiencing on a day to day. Um, 
and you know take two and a half hours on a friday night and the fact that people are taking that time with us is just, you know i don't take that for granted so absolutely on a friday night say that on a friday night say that <laughs> even but, i was like well should we change the day like uh, are people gonna want their fridays back do i want my fridays back and i was like no <laughs> reverses and drag race yeah and yeah yeah and, and, and that's the thing that. <laughs> that's the thing it's 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 twofold you know on one hand you could stay in the house and still have other options of things to watch. Mm -hmm. That's one. Mm -hmm. But then two, if we're being completely honest with ourselves, a lot of people have already started leaving out of the house again. Yes. You know, so Fridays are still a time to leave out for a lot of people and yet people still stay home to watch yep. with you guys, you know? Yep. So I think that says a lot. I think that says a lot that people are still like, no, this is this is must see. I need to be, especially the chat, you know? If, if we're being honest, the chat is a big thing. It, you know, community is very, very important to folks. And they know that they can find that community when they come to Black A Stuck at Home. And I think that's beautiful, you know? Uh, so coming up this Wednesday, well, this Wednesday, for those of you who are listening to this, when, when it's actually taking place, <laughs> this, this Wednesday is going to be Jackie Washington Day. Yeah. So the question that I wanted to ask you guys is the next Black, Black Gay and Stuck at Home is going to be dedicated to Jackie's back. What made you all decide to deviate from your normal Friday night to have it on Wednesday night instead. Now, of course, we know that this is when Jackie's back is happening, but you could have easily been like, sorry, y'all, it ain't happening on Jackie Washington Day. Check back with us on Friday when we have it. What made you all decide that Jackie Jackie's back was important enough to deviate from your normal day? So, you know, picking the films is an interesting process. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think Mike will be looking at me like, what, did, like, what, like, Josh be doing the science of like, what it feels <laughs> like this week we did this, so maybe it feels like we should do this the next time. And, but like, it just, I literally be thinking about this in the shower and in the bed at night. I'm like, is this the right next thing? Because you kind of want to give people what they want. Yeah. But you also want to like curate an experience that will expose folks to something new or will sort of like harken up memories of things maybe they didn't think they, you know, had, all these other kinds of things. So like, that's why we didn't run to Moonlight to jump to show Moonlight immediately, or right. why we aren't running towards some of the more visible films. Um, and so, but we also ask people, what do they want to see? You know, <laughs> and I've they tell us. I've definitely seen you guys do that. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and they are very uh, clear to tell us of uh, what they want to see. So, like for me, like I don't know, it's been an interesting like curation of the of the the films, but Jackie's back belongs in that sort of um that sphere of queerness that is like uh reference like reference it yeah. feels like reference material it's the same way that we as a community like to you know uh talk like why we love our divas and why we you know do why we want to talk about dream girls and all these other sort of like films that aren't inherently queer or don't have queer storylines or etc but are part of our experience and our growing up and our um cultivation of who we are as as individuals and mm -hmm. so jackie's back is in that lane for me because it um it is campy and it's like a cult sort of classic it feels underground ish you know but it's um built a following up and that following has been queer folks, <laughs> to be quite honest, who yeah. have kept the life of Jackie Washington Day as a thing going. Um, and so it just made sense to deviate a little bit, not, you know, completely, but just say, okay, we've got this special thing. 
we should celebrate Jennifer Lewis and we should celebrate Jackie's back and we should, you know, um, we literally, a uh, second screening was Dirty Laundry with a really riotous performance by Jennifer Lewis, right. you know, <laughs> in that film. And everybody responds to that. So it just seemed like a, um, a moment to celebrate a lighter film. We've been doing some, a mixture of lighter films and sort of heavier content. Um, we also want to sort of make sure that the reflection of films we show is a reflection of the community and the experiences and the sort of feelings that we have. And so we needed a little bit of joy and Jackie's back, Jackie's back is joyful as hell. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything to contribute towards that, Mike? Jackie Washington Day, come celebrate with us. <laughs> 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 Josh, Josh, see this is see this is gonna be the question. I'm like, Josh, answer that because you. This is I love when you tell that story. Listen, listen. <laughs> that, that's why that was the one question where after Josh answered it, I was like, okay, well, do you have anything to add? <laughs> he did a great job of answering that. He really did. <laughs> I will say it was gonna be. We keep talking about mahogany. We keep talking about like all these other films that yeah, like feel like they are not. Like they they don't star black queer folks in leading yeah. roles, but like they are they mean things to little gay boys when we grew up, you know? Like my Absolutely. is a thing for people. So like, yeah, why not play around with that? I've had people call me out. I had somebody call me out on Twitter the other day and say, you know, Jackie's back is not a black queer film. And I said, I know. Come on, <laughs> come on, you better I'm leave a, it I'm right a, there. I'm aware. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, and but like if but it means something to people, right? Absolutely. Like Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I know I far more queer people. About their space, though. Right. <laughs> I've heard far more queer people talk about that movie than I have straight, though. Like, exactly. Like, come on now. Yep. Come on now. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, so my last question for you guys What does Black Gay Stuck at Home look like on the other side of the pandemic? Because here's the truth. We're not going back to whatever people consider to be normal. Mm -hmm. I think we can all agree on that, you know? Mm -hmm. But whatever the new new looks like on the other side of this, what does Black Gay Stuck at Home look like when the majority of the people are now back outside living what is as close to what used to be as it is? I give myself room to say that evolving every day. Mm -hmm. um, so we don't have a set plan for once this is over. I think I don't even know when this is going to be over. Right. So I don't want to plan <laughs> for what this looks like. Um, be, because balancing, so balancing my creative and my business brains um, is the business side of me understands that at some point, God, universe, whoever that this is, we will have a vaccine. People will be able to go back outside. Mm -hmm. We'll be able to exist again safely um but the way that it's looking with our leadership and um not listening to the medical professionals and the increasing cases such as florida today right that i don't really see an end in sight anytime soon so i don't really want to uh I don't really want to think about like what happens after this is over for us. So I give myself room to let this evolve. But um, I definitely think this looks like me and Josh finally meeting in person. Mm -hmm. um, I think that this looks like- Step one. Well. <laughs> right, step one. Um, 
me and Josh finally meeting in person. I think step two as well is we can still do this in person gatherings um, to continue to do screenings um, in person and create community events and other areas um, that doesn't have to necessarily be specific to one city. Uh, we can rotate it. But I think people honestly still will want to spend a night with us to have these screenings, to have people drop in and get to know the history and the lineage um, of where we come from. I still see that. And as well, I think right now, one of the things that we've been able to do um, by having extended family is Patrick, I have called him now extended family and he's gonna take it. Um, <laughs> is that it gives us, it gives us an opportunity as well to uplift and cross promote through our partnerships and the people that have come into uh, the Black Gay Second Home family. So even looking at something, um, looking at some of the numbers of Noah's Ark, the reunion, what was it called, the Rona episode or the Rona Chronicles? Looking at the numbers that Patrick and Polk and uh, the cast and the crew were able to do, there's a thirst for this. Like, yeah. even if the show gets picked up and it continues, we can do watch parties. We can have them drop in and do stuff. I mean, there's so many places that we still can go um, with this. I think the community of people that want to see this is still there. Um, I definitely think even getting messages from lesser known queer filmmakers as well, we have an opportunity to lift them up, yeah. um, show their shorts, show their films, because there are still so many great films and web series and different things that are out there because I don't get to see myself enough, you know, yeah. in these projects as a black gay out actor um, that I want to hold space and I want to uplift those as well. Um, so I think this looks like us continuing to do this as long as um, the pandemic is here, but afterward is still is an opportunity for us to create community, to uplift community, um, to cross promote, to engage in different ways. So I'm, I'm looking forward to what this looks like, but step one, meet Josh. Yes. <laughs> yes. That, that sort of has to be the. <laughs> it'd be it'd be silly not to figure out how to like actually say hello in person. Right. <laughs> um, I agree. I think like there's. I I think that after the pandemic, something about virtual uh, screening show like viewings and and chats and things is still intriguing to me. Yeah. Especially as someone who's sitting in. Um, you know, country, country ass North Carolina right now, where <laughs> I know that if, you know, uh, like if Black Ace Stuck at Home pivoted to being like a, an in-person only thing, I might not in a rural area have access to that. So like, right. there's something that's about the accessibility of what we're doing, because, you know, you just need a, a decent internet connection and, you know, to be able to download Zoom on your computer or whatever your device is to be able to engage with us. And that feels um, important for folks who are coming from all over the world, particularly from people, from places where they are one of one or one of few. Um, yeah. And so, um, but there is something really uh interesting about the idea of doing uh, an in-person thing. I was talking to, um, y'all know Kenyon Pharaoh? Pharaoh, yeah. Mm -hmm. He and I were chit-chatting the other day about, about Black A Stuck at Home, and I think it was him who has this, had sort of this, this offering of like, what if you like, you know, toured Black Prides? And I was like, I think that's a fascinating idea <laughs> because so oftentimes during Black uh, Black Gay Pride, 
the critique, at least in DC, where I'm where I'm at usually is it's everywhere. I know everybody what just goes to the club. There's no other programming. Da, 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 da. But there is nine times out of ten there, there is. are yeah, absolutely <laughs> absolutely. But it's not the programming that people um, necessarily who. I guess this is a really big generalization, but it's not the same kind of programming that the folks who want to socialize and club the whole time want to also engage with. Like, mm -hmm. if you just want to go have your drinks and, and kiki and club, then that's cool as a celebratory part of it, but like maybe panel discussions aren't your thing, right? right, right. So there's an interesting lane of showing film that still feels accessible um, and then incorporating some kind of community or uh, social aspect to it the same way that the chat happens. That can't necessarily happen in the middle of a, of a screening in mm -hmm. person. But do you tie that to a happy hour? Do you try and make that a social thing afterward? There's like a lot of just sort of energy and opportunity. Um, so I think it's like a both and. I think it's keeping elements of what works really well about it right now and then figuring out what the world needs after the pandemic. Because I think what I believe the world might need now may not be what the world needs a year from now. Um, so yeah. Come on. From, <laughs> from a journalistic point of view, I'm pretty sure I'm not supposed to be like, good answer. But both of y'all <laughs> gave really good answers to that. <laughs> you both gave very good answers to that last question. Uh, that's awesome. So, okay, uh, before we go, I wanted to take an opportunity to say uh, thank you all for partnering with the Healing Space podcast. I believe very, very much in Black Gay Stuck at Home. And that's why I was so excited by what you both just said for the last answer, because I think that there's so much that you all can do for the Black queer community and beyond. And uh, I think that this movement that you all have created is very, very necessary. So just honored to be a part in any way. Definitely. We appreciate you jumping on board. Absolutely, absolutely. So if uh, people would be able to, would like to walk with you all on social media, this could be your personal or Black A Stuck at Home, how would they walk with you all? Michael. <laughs> the social media uh, <laughs> manager of Black A Stuck at Home. So misfits. <laughs> Um, you can walk with us on all our social media channels. You can find us on Instagram at underscore BGSAH. Slide in the DMs, let us know what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see. Um, you can find us on www.bgsah.com. <laughs> um, you can find me at Michael X Ward on everything. And I am at Josh Jinx, J E N K S, on everything everything <laughs> once again thank you guys so much for an awesome conversation and misfits we will be right back with good news and now it is time for good news and you know what the good news is today misfits the good news is is that you still have time to demand justice for Elijah McClain. And you want to know how? There are several different ways you could do it, but I want to provide you all with some phone numbers, people you can contact to demand justice, not only for the life of Elijah McClain, but to see that these murderers, these thugs who killed him, see that they come to justice as well. Let's make sure that they are behind bars. And here's how you can start. Give a call to the governor of Colorado, that is Jared Polis, the number is 
2471. Then there's the mayor of Aurora, that's Mike Kaufman, 303-739-7015. The district attorney, attorney, yeah, excuse me, Dave Young, that's 303-659-7720. The Aurora police chief, Vanessa Wilson, that is 303 303- 739-6050 when calling, press 1 for English, then 0 pound to contact the specific person. I'm going to make sure that I put this and some more information in the description of the episode as well. As I always say, we need to make sure that when the protests stop, you know, when everything isn't at the height of where it was, that we don't stop, that we don't quit. And I'm really serious when it comes to, <clears throat> excuse me, when it comes to Elijah McClain. This isn't something where I'm going to talk once about it and then you guys won't hear about it anymore. Until these people are brought to justice, until there is a public apology, until Elijah's family can sleep peacefully at night knowing that those people are behind bars, we continue to fight. We continue to speak up for Elijah McClain. That is the good news. We can still make a difference. So do it, Misfits. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of The Healing Space. Thank you so much to Mike and Josh of Black Gay Stuck at Home. Please make sure you support them. Please make sure that you are tuning in on Wednesday, July 15th for Jackie Washington Day as we watch Jackie's Back and continue to support those brothers in all that they do with Black Gay Stuck at Home and the things that they do outside of that movement as well. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode as we continue to make our way to the 100th episode of THS Podcast. Make sure that you're walking with me all over social media, personally at Scorpiogi, uh, as well as my website, Scorpiogi.com. And for THS, that is WeRTLM.com for every episode of THS. Uh, that is THS Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and underscore THS Podcast on Twitter. Until next time, Misfits, I love you all so much. Namaste. Namaste.